You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over king. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Hello, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. We have an unusual show for you today, a guest who is so interesting that we have a double segment, just him, as the guest for today's show. His name is Matthew Janda. He is the author of an extraordinary book about poker. It's called Applications of No Limit Hold'em, A Guide to Understanding Theoretical Sound Poker. He covers dozens and dozens of essential concepts for expert play, and I think you will find him also a very articulate, very insightful, and interestingly uh, conversant guy when it comes to talking about poker. So stay tuned. We'll be back after a quick break. We'll be back to the show in a minute. Look, you've heard me talking about FanDuel for weeks now, but if you still haven't signed up, you're missing out on over $10 million of paying out every single week this NFL season. FanDuel.com's one-week fantasy leagues are hotter than ever. You play for real money, and winners get immediate cash payouts. It's all the fun of a season-long league packed into each and every week. You know, I've become king of the $1 tournaments. Check this out. They have $1 tournaments where you can play in as many leagues as you want at the same time. There's no excuse. For a dollar, you can win some real cash. Matt Nichols from Ohio turned a $25 deposit into over twenty-five grand playing fantasy football on FanDuel. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football leagues. No season-long commitments and no upfront fees. They got immediate cash payouts, and you play each week or whenever you want to. It's all up to you. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use my code HOC and sign up now. The new user special is ending soon, and FanDuel will match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to 200 bucks. That's up to $200 free, but the offer is only good for the first 50 people that use my code HOC. FanDuel.com, where every week is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L dot com. Sign up today with promo code H-O-C. Attention taxpayers, if you've received a notice from the IRS or state, do not ignore it. It's also a big mistake to try and handle your tax problem on your own. If you owe back taxes, it's a fact that the government has the power to take everything you own, including your home, business, wages, savings, and your freedom. But here's the good news. There's a special toll-free tax hotline set up especially for you. This tax hotline will tell you about new programs that are geared to help you dramatically settle, reduce, or eliminate what you owe. But you have to call now. Take down this number or put it in your cell phone. But call 1-866-577-4680. That's one 866 When you call, you get free information on how you can reduce or eliminate back taxes, including penalties and interest. You can also be helped if you have unfiled returns, a tax lien, wage garnishment, bank levy, or if you've been entered into a payment plan but can't make the payments. Don't make the big mistake in thinking you can ignore or handle your tax problem on your own. You can stop the collection process immediately. Call this special tax hotline today for free info at 1-866-577-4680. That's 1-866-577-4680. 1-866-577-4680. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyons, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. 
We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code BABE16 at checkout, and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code BABE16. That's B-A-B-E-16 at adamandeve.com. Make your game night the envy of all your friends and family. Play on a -a one-of-a-kind table. Play on a Pro Caliber poker table. Pro Caliber tables are made with high-quality gaming suede and suited speed cloths. And with their Table Builder app, customers can create a table to accommodate any game. Select one of the in-stock designs from their site or imprint your own. And now you can get a free 600-count coin inlay chipset when you purchase a Pro Caliber poker table. Here's how. Use offer code HOCRADIO when you check out at ProCaliberPoker.com or when ordering by phone at 240-25-POKER. That's 240-257-6537. Remember, to get your free gift when ordering your poker table, use offer code HOCRADIO. That's H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O. Order by phone at 240-257-6537 or online at ProCaliberPoker.com. ProCaliber Poker Tables. Stop playing around and get that table you've been looking for. This is the House of Cards. This is your poker education. Let's play some cards. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. And uh, we've had a lot of different types of guests. I think my favorite guests are the ones that know a whole lot more than I do about poker, because that's how you learn. You listen to people who know more and who have written about it so that you have access to their thoughts. And this is one of those guys. This is Matt Janda, who has written an incredible book. It is a thick, dense book, but accessible in many ways. It's called Applications of No Limit Hold'em, A Guide to Understanding Theoretical Sound Poker. And we're going to talk to him about how he came up with the book, and some of the concepts in here that I think all of our listeners could benefit from learning. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, Doug. First of all, hi, Ashley. Glad to be here. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the poker world, and what do you bring to it? Okay, so I got into poker when I was younger, like most people, when I was in college. I played part-time while in college. I've pretty much always been a part-time player rather than a full-time player. And then once Black Friday came around, I still had all these ideas that I hadn't really fully fleshed out. So then I kept talking poker with some friends. I was very lucky to have a good poker group to talk to. And then I started writing the book. And then recently I've had some more time, so I started playing on American sites again the last four months or so. So where did you go to college? I went to UCLA. Oh, okay. And where did you play and where do you play now online? So right now, I pretty much just play on Bovada, and in the past, I played almost entirely on full tilt. Did you lose some money? <laughs> um, I got it back eventually, but it was pretty scary for a while for those couple of years. But you got it all back because of Poker Stars refunding everybody's money? Yes, yes. thank you, Poker Stars. Good. Are you not at all concerned about playing on an unregulated site? I definitely think there's some concern to it, and I intentionally try not to keep that much money on. I, I learned my lesson the first time. <laughs> fool me once. You know, shame on me. Fool me twice. Right. Sorry, fool me once. Yeah. I'm a little you, nervous, apparently. Um, Matt, do you play live at all? No, not almost at all. So, primarily, almost exclusively, the theory that you're talking about and applying that theory is for online poker play. Is that fair to say? I would say most poker theory will apply pretty much everywhere. I think it's important to understand what's going on and then being able to make your decisions based on what you think is probably theoretically correct. So, for example, I usually try to 
ask myself, what do I think is optimal in almost any hand situation? And then if I think, you know, there's a line that's better than optimal, then I'll deviate. But for the most part, I think if you understand poker theory, it will make your decisions a little bit more straightforward. And for me personally, like you can tell I'm a little bit nervous now. I can definitely get nervous when a big hand's going on. And I feel a lot more comfortable if I think like, okay, I theoretically know what's going on here. I'm more comfortable. I can say this is a theoretically sound bluff. Even if I don't really want to, you know, risk a buying and a half on a bluff, I can, I feel better about doing it if I really understand what's going on. So I think, I think for something like that, both live and online poker, understanding theory really helps. Okay. So let's start with who this book is really going to help and who it's probably not going to help that much. Okay. I've got to start from the perspective of the guys I generally play with. And I, Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, because this is your chance to absolutely tell me that I, I have it wrong and I, okay. I need to learn. I play with a bunch of guys. Uh, I play oh. in casinos. I play in home games. I never play online. I mean, anymore. Okay. I used to. And uh, we play one, two, no limit. Okay. And nearly all the time, if somebody raises preflop, maybe they'll get a caller. But sometimes they don't, and it would be one time out of 30 that there'll be a three bet. Okay. When I read your book, it sounds like, my God, people are three betting and four betting and shoving the fifth betting, and I don't play with guys like that. Am I missing something in the book that does apply to the kind of call and raise and call and raise games that I'm in, or is it applicable to that too? So... For something like that, I, the way I would approach something like that, like if I was sitting down and playing against opponents like that, the way I would think would be, okay, if I open, I'm not very likely to get three bets, which means I'm going to at least get to see a flop. So that's probably going to make me be able to open a little bit wider because I'm going to be able to at least see the flop and hopefully realize my equity. Whereas if I was playing against more aggressive players and they were going to three bet me and I'd have to fold, you know, it, it's less tempting to open with a weaker hand. So I would kind of, like, that's how I approach pretty much every situation. So if I'm playing against weaker opponents, I can still understand, I think, what's going on with, like, the theory behind what I'm doing, and then I can adjust my play. So for something like that, I think the book would be useful. I think the first section where it talks about, like, a lot of the misunderstood concepts, I think that would be very useful. But I think there would be a lot of other sections, too, like the pre-flop play section, where, yeah, you're probably... I don't like. I think that's the weakest section in the book now, as it is. But I think for something like that, it probably wouldn't be very useful at all for um, live play. And you, you need to know to when to not apply some stuff in the book. I noticed that there was an introduction by the two plus two editors that talked yeah. about bluff catching not being something that you employ in weaker games against worse employ- uh, because you'll lose a lot of money doing that, and that you should mm-hmm. tend to save that for the tougher games that you're generally addressing. Is that fair? Do you agree with that comment? So I don't have online, or sorry, I don't have live poker experience like they do. So they thought that that was necessary to add, and I totally respect their opinion. So I think that's a fair guess, or a, a fair statement to make at least. But without having the live play experience personally, it's not something I would have a very strong opinion about. I'd probably end up calling maybe a little bit too much, at least at first, and then if I found out what they're saying totally true, people aren't bluffing enough, then I would start folding like it seems like they recommend. Listeners, will be back after a commercial break. Take care. Something exciting is happening in New Jersey. People are cheering in Cherry Hill and cashing in chips, pumping fists in Fort Lee, and flopping full houses. Get the thrill and play on your laptop, tablet, or mobile at BorgataPoker.com. Texas Hold'em, daily tournaments, and sit and goes. Real money anywhere in New Jersey. The Borgata Hotel and Casino is a name you trust, so you can be sure that BorgataPoker.com is secure. And now with the $25 deposit, you can get a $20 bonus when you sign up for Borgata Poker at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Remember, you must be 21 and physically present in New Jersey to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you still shopping the old-fashioned way? Well, then buzz on over to bzid.com. 
Beezit is your number one online auction source for brand name new items from companies like Apple, Sony, Canon, Dyson, Samsung, and more at discounts of 75, 85, and 99% off retail. Go to Beezit.com and use the offer code VIP and get three bids for the price of one. That's offer code VIP to get three bids for the price of one. Go to Beezit.com, B-E-E-Z-I-D.com, Beezit.com. You're listening to the House of Cards. I think we got a show. Oh, yeah, we got a show. We definitely got a show. Oh, yeah, there's a show. Hey, it's all about ratings, baby, and we got them. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. Listeners, for those who haven't been listening since the beginning of this interview, we're talking to Matt Janda, who has written an incredible book called Applications of No Limit Hold'em, A Guide to Understanding Theoretical Sound Poker. Okay, well, that's I think that's a reasonable way of putting it. Uh, let me ask you another question that, for me, it really hurt my ability to embrace a lot of the stuff that you're trying to teach because my experiences seemed so foreign from the ones that you mm-hmm. were writing about. And here's the main thing. You you really go into a lot of detail about how to play your hand based on the range of hands that your opponent's actions will represent that they have. Like uh, if they, they are likely to have these hands if they're three-betting or if they're flatting, and by the way, you use terminology, and there's no glossary. So I'm wondering okay. if uh, a lot of players who are not very familiar with poker theory and conversation are going to know felting and flatting. And I mean, I suppose they know C-bet. That's fairly obvious. But anyway, so mm-hmm. you write a lot about your opponent's likely hand range. Okay. And here was my main question. I play in games all the time, and it's rare to have a three-bet hand where there's a showdown. And even if I play against a guy for six hours, which would be a long session for me and him to be in the same game, and maybe I vaguely remember that I played with him a week ago when I was last down to the casino, how does somebody figure out the range of an opponent when he rarely sees his cards, or maybe he sees them, but he doesn't see them in the situations where you're trying to focus on what he's likely to have because you're you're putting people on, well, his range is probably, you know, jacks or stronger okay. and maybe ace-king. So how do you do that if you're not seeing a ton of showdowns? Okay, so that's a fantastic question. And the way optimal poker would work is if you're playing close to optimal yourself, it doesn't matter what your opponents do. Your strategy will be a winning strategy. So what I mean by that is this. Even if I had, if I was opening on the button or raising first in, and there were two bad players in the blind, I could play against them like they're very, very good players, and I would still win money, and I would actually win even more money the further they played from being optimal. So one thing you could do is you could still treat your opponents like they're playing with very good, very solid ranges, and you'll still win money. If you think that they're playing so far from optimal, like they're playing so crazy, like you're playing against the maniac, then you can really deviate your strategies so you can hopefully win even more money. But even if you just stick to the solid game plan, you will win money against those players and probably quite a lot. So even if my opponents are calling or range raising with ranges that are nothing like what I would put an optimal player on, um, I'm still going to make money from them because why? Okay, so you might not make money on that one specific hand, and that might be what's confusing. So let's let's stick with us opening on the button, and then there's two like really tight players in the blinds that don't three bet very much. Right. So when that's happening, you're not going to want to defend against the three bet nearly as aggressively as you would against the good player. But what will happen is, since they're not three betting you aggressively, you're going to win a ton of money when you open the weakest hands in your range, or anything in your range really, like. You know, normally if I have, let's say, king three suited on the button and I'm playing with two really good players in the blind, 
I can open it, and, and I would, but it's only going to be slightly profitable. But against the guys you're playing against who aren't rebetting very much, it's going to be a super profitable open because if I get called, I have a hand that's still pretty good in position, and there was probably some dead money, like in case the small blind calls and the big blind folds. And then um, if they don't fold, obviously I just win the pot. And then I'm not facing the three bet, and facing the three bet is really, really bad because then I just have to fold and I just lost the pot. and didn't get to realize my equity. All right, well, wait, so wait, wait. let's go. I'm let's go back to that hand. That's very good. This is very helpful. So let's say, for example, and by the way, I don't know anybody who plays live regularly six-handed. They're, we're playing nine-handed, okay. ten-handed, unless three guys are up uh, at the John or smoking, which is more likely. But in any event, so I'm playing against these two, uh, and I won't call them bad. I'll just call them. Loose passive players, okay, um, and uh, small blind, buck, big blind, two blind, uh, two dollars, and there's one other. Actually, there are a few passive okay. uh, loose players that call the two dollars. I'm on the button with king three, which, until you and I just spoke, I would never think that's a pretty good hand to raise with. But I, so, so you're saying there's limpers? I just want to make sure. Yeah, limpers. There are okay. three limpers. In front of me and uh, or behind me, what do you call it when they've limped and then I go? They're yeah. behind me. They're just, just limpers. I'm on the same page. Right. So they're limpers, and I have king three suited. Okay. I raised to $15. So in the example I was talking about, I was assuming there aren't limpers. But oh, okay. if you're assuming there's limpers, this would be my thought process there. Okay. I can make a raise, and I'm probably going to get a couple callers or two. Right. Now, if there were... I probably want to raise hands that play well multi-way as well as just all my strong hands. But the fact that I'm not going to get three bet means I'm pretty much going to get to see a flop in position or I'll just win the pot to begin with is going to be so incredibly profitable that we're going to be making so much money with so many hands that even if we were to get three bets and we were to like make a mistake, let's say we are calling three bets as aggressively as I recommended, we would only lose, you know, we would lose some but not a ton of money calling the three bets and we'd make up We'd make up for that to make up a lot more by all the times that we just make a big raise and we get folds, or when our opponents call and we get to see a flop in position. Right. I, I would, will say, though, King 3 suited is not that good against three limpers, but it's very good if, like, no one limps. All right. Well, let's say there are three limpers, and because okay. my skills are so vastly superior to these very bad players, and they may have almost anything in their range, um, and they also have the very bad player syndrome of, well, since I've called two, what the hell, I'll call the $12 in addition for the 15 and I raised the 15 What? How much would you make it? So I haven't played live, so it's hard to tell, but if no one's really going to limp re-raise, I would just make a really big, really big open. So, like, I wouldn't open to, like, 12. Like, with three limpers, I'd probably open to, like, 20. Okay, so you, you, you make it 20, and I okay. get two guys to call me. Sure. Okay. And the flop comes ace, king, deuce, uh, rainbow. Okay? Mm -hmm. I got two loose passive players, and they both check. Okay. I would imagine that I make a bet assuming that I'm going to pick up the pot. I would not bet there. You would not. You would check along. Yeah. And the reason for that is there's usually two reasons to bet. Number one is, so you'll win a bigger pot if you do win at showdown. Right. So that can give you a reason to bet if you have, like, a draw that has a really good chance to improve or if you already just have a strong hand to begin with. The first reason to bet is kind of obvious. You just want to win a bigger pot if you do win. And the second biggest reason to bet is to deny your opponent the ability to realize his equity. In other words, I want to make my opponent hold hand that might make the best hand by the river. So... Making our opponents fold is very useful. We don't need to make our opponent fold the better hand, but just making them fold hands that have a chance to be the best hand by the river is very, very useful. So with King-3, though, on an ace-king-2 board, I don't really see what I'm making fold Ah. by betting on the flop. That's all that useful. So I would rather just check for that reason. And also, if I do bet, I don't think there's going to be that many hands I can get value from by calling, whereas obviously I'm going to lose to every single ace and king. So that's a hand where I would check back, and I actually don't think it's even really that close. Okay, so you would check because you probably wouldn't get a king bigger kicker to fold in your analysis, and you might very well get people with stronger hands to call or weaker hands that might, imp- I mean, hands that might improve to weaker hands that would call uh, later on to fold, which which I wouldn't want. So yeah, if somebody's sitting there with point, queen no. jack, 
and uh, and I get him to fold, and the queen comes on the turn or the river, and he might call. I don't want him to fold. Well, I would still want queen jack to fold just because they can turn the ten, and so that would be a good example of we're making a hand fold. We're, we're ahead, but it's still very useful to make that hand fold because it can outdraw. But like, if we change your example just a little bit, like if we make it queen nine, then your example works perfectly. Where yeah, making queen nine fold, I don't really want that. I want him to turn a river a nine or a queen. So that he'll be likely to call with a hand that will lose as opposed to the possibility with yeah. Queen Jack of hitting a 10 and having a hand that would do. Listeners, we're going to be right back after a quick break. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Need to sell your house fast? We're Homevestors, the We Buy Ugly Houses people. You've seen our big yellow billboards with our caveman Ugg, but did you know that Homevestors is America's number one home buyer? At Homevestors, we can buy your house as is, pay you cash, and usually pay most of the closing costs, and we close fast. Call today for your no obligation consultation and get out of that ugly real estate situation. If your house needs repairs, you're ready to downsize. Tired of renters and those rental property repairs, retiring, experiencing a job transfer, inherited a property, or just need to sell your house fast. Do what thousands of satisfied Homevestor customers have done. Call Homevestors today for a no-obligation consultation at 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. We'll close fast and pay cash. So what are you waiting for? Call Homevestors today. 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of November 3rd, 2014. Well, for those of you who want to place a bet on sporting events in New Jersey, we'll have to wait a little longer. Last week, U.S. District Judge Michael Schiff issued a temporary restraining order stopping Monmouth Park from taking bets on professional sports. A court date for November 20th has been set in order for the state and the professional sports leagues to argue whether the ban should be extended from that date on. For the second straight month, Nevada's gaming revenue has declined. The Gaming Control Board reported Nevada casinos took in just over $901 million in September, nearly a 6% drop from the same time last year. In August, casino revenues declined by over 3.5%. The casinos on the Las Vegas Strip saw some of the most substantial decreases. The revenues on the Strip from September were down over 12% of what they were from this time last year. And finally, the Poker Hall of Fame has announced its class of 2014, Daniel Negreanu and Jack McClellan. McClellan is best known for being an outstanding WSOP tournament director in the 1980s. Negreanu has nearly $30 million in lifetime earnings, six WSOP bracelets, two World Poker Tour titles, and is the only two-time WSOP Player of the Year. Congratulations from all of us at House of Cards. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams. Well, I guess he couldn't be any worse than Tim McCarver is at sportscasting. In my view, as good as the Yankees were in the first half of this game, that's how as bad they've been now.
Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. I've been talking to Matt Janda about his book, Applications of No Limit Hold'em, A Guide to Understanding Theoretical Sound Poker. Okay, so I check around, and so now we see the turn, and the turn is a seven. Once again, I want to just check through if everybody checks, or am I now going to be betting more aggressively? Yeah, you're not really afraid of giving free cards. Um, that's especially going to be true here because the hands that could outdraw you that you're ahead of are going to be like Queen Jack, Queen 10, and Chen, Jack 10. And those would often bet, as would any possible flush draw, I'd probably bet. So you're not very afraid of giving a free card. And if you bet and get called, you're usually going to get called by an ace or a king. So you ended up just betting and you just lost money because you're going to lose. So you just check and still hope you get a win at showdown. And if somebody else does bet in that situation, mm-hmm. am I going to fold, assuming that they have a better hand? So it's going to, so for the most part, the answer to that is just going to be yes, but it would depend on where the bet came from and how big the bet was. In general, if, um, like, let's just say one of the limp callers now all of a sudden leads, then yeah, you're probably going to end up folding. And you're right, sometimes you're going to fold to like a flush draw or fold to a straight draw where you fold to the better hand, but that's just unavoidable. There's going to be too many aces and kings in the range that beat you that you're not going to be able to call especially when there's another street left to act. So if they are bluffing, they can improve, whereas it's very hard for us to improve. And um, if they are value betting, they're going to bet again. So it, it's pretty hard to call the turn bet with game three. I see. So really, I don't need to be an expert. I don't have to be playing against experts or even to be able to put them on a precise range mm. because if I'm playing against them and am assuming that their ranges are more narrow than they might be, and I can yeah. play correctly against those narrower ranges than they actually are playing, I'm going to end up actually winning more money if they're playing broader ranges and not playing very yeah, well. for the most part. And then you can just take concepts that you might learn from the book. So if me and you were discussing poker hands, one thing I would very often ask you on the flop would be, okay, Ashley, if, if you just bet, what, can, what weaker hands are you hoping called? Or what hands are you hoping pulled that might beat you or might have outdrawn you by the river. So, like, that's just a very basic concept that you can constantly ask yourself, and it will really tell you whether or not you should bet on the flop or on the turn. It's just very basic concepts that you can apply to spots, regardless of whether or not you're playing against one of the world's best players or just very weak players, um, you know, just playing in a home game for fun. So what are some other things in your book that a person playing in a relatively weak home game might be able to use to his advantage? I think it's very helpful to see different ranges written out. So it can give you a sense of like, okay, this is how aggressively really good players may be defending against the bet. And if you find out your opponents aren't defending that aggressively, then you might be able to say to yourself, hmm, if my opponents aren't defending this aggressively, then I maybe am going to be able to get away with, you know, betting weaker hands than I should be able to. Or another good example might be if you think your opponents are folding a lot on the flop, then it might be okay to open weaker hands pre-flop because you're going to be able to just bet on the flop and make them fold. So by getting a sense of how aggressive um, closer to optimal poker likely is, it hopefully will make you feel a little bit more comfortable when you want to bet to make your opponents fold if you think they're folding too much, or it might really show you that it's okay to call with hands when you're likely behind but you're getting a good price. Or in the example we talked about earlier, like just calling with a gut shot, like with that clean jack on an ace-king three board, you're getting a really good price on your call, and if you do hit, you're going to win a pretty big pot, which is why you see good players usually defend those types of things. Fair enough. Um, I had just discovered a few concepts in your book that I thought you might go into to help our listeners know the kind of stuff that they're going to see covered in detail. So, for example, can you explain the difference between equity and expected value and why it's important to understand that difference and apply that to your game. Sure. So those two terms are used interchangeably sometimes when they're completely different. So equity means what is the probability you win at showdown if there be one or if your opponent get to see the turn, the flop and the turn in the river against you. So for example, if you have pocket aces against, let's say, something like five, six suited, I think aces have around 80% equity, which means they're about 80% to win if you see the flop turn at river against 5-6 shooter. Expected value means how much money do you expect to win on average given your current situation. So a really good example of this might be, let's say you open, let's say it folds to you in the cutoff, 
you open the cutoff, the button call, and then the blindfold. So your head's up on the phone. If out of position. Head, what? You'd be out of position, right? Yeah, you're out of position. So if you have, let's say you have pocket sixes. If you have pocket sixes and the clock comes, you know, ten of hearts, six of clubs, two of diamonds, so ten, six, two, rainbow, you can calculate the equity of the hand, meaning like what is the probability that sixes win at showdown if your opponent gets to see a turn and a river with his range. And you can also say, like, hmm, you know, I have sets which are super, super, super strong. How much money in terms of big blinds do I expect for one year? So in that case, sixes would have a lot of equity. It'd probably be like 85% equity. And then if you had to estimate how many big blinds you expect to win, it'd be a good amount because sets are just incredibly good, and you really, really want your opponent calling or raising, obviously, when you have sets. Okay, I got that. Let me give you a specific example. Sure. Um. This is from, I think, the second chapter. Why would ace-9 um, versus 9-8 suited, why would one have more equity but shouldn't be played from the button? Okay, that's a really good question. So ace-9 off has more equity because if you were to just see the flop, the turn in the river against most ranges, ace-9 off would be most likely to win at showdown. But when ace-nine off wins that showdown, it's usually going to win with a hand like ace-high or a pair of nine or a pair of aces. And those aren't very good hands, and they can't win very big pots. Whereas nine-eight suited, that's a hand where if you were to take it against the range, be a flop, turn it river, it's going to be less likely to win at showdown. But when nine-eight suited does win at showdown, it really wins. Like it wins with like a straight or a flush or a very, very, very strong hand. And since in reality... You, of course, can bet and so can your opponent. It's better to have a hand like 9-8 suited, which has less equity, because it can make much stronger hands, which win a much bigger pot. So it's a good example of a hand which is going to win less likely against the range, but when it does win, it can win a massive pot because it can make an incredibly strong hand. It can win more money even if it mm-hmm. wins much less frequently. Yeah, that's another good way to put it. Okay, I get that. A um, couple other things. What about, and I don't even know if this is a concept that is addressed anywhere, but I wonder about the elasticity of ranges based on how I have been playing and how my opponents have been playing. In other words, you know, somebody who's playing 10 hands at a time online may tend to play very mechanically, and their range in different situations is pretty steady, pretty concrete. But when you're playing against casual players, amateur players, bad players, infrequent players, their ranges fluctuate, I would think, enormously. I mean, it could be based on just their mood, or I I just felt like taking a shot with my favorite hand, 9-6 off. Uh, How do you adjust for that, or do you not bother to adjust because if you're playing consistently, it doesn't matter? It shouldn't affect your strategy. Okay, so... If you don't adjust and if you just play solid poker, you're still going to win a lot. And that's the most important thing, I think, to really go in understanding and accepting. But in reality, if you know your opponent has certain leaks, then you can make adjustments. So, for example, if my opponent, if I thought my opponent might be calling with a hand like 9-6 off or something really bad, then that would probably make me want to play more hands pre-flop because I know my opponents are going to be playing very bad hands. And likewise, it might make me a little bit more likely to bluff post-flop because I know 9-6 off just usually doesn't make very strong hands. Occasionally, 9-6 off will make a really strong hand, and it might be you know, really frustrating when your opponent puts over 9-6 off and it makes straights or chips, but that's not going to happen very often. And even against really good players, they might not play 9-6 off, but they could play 7-8-2, which can pretty much do everything 9-6 off does, only it does it a lot better and it makes flushing. So... Really, I would probably play very solid at first until I had a good idea of how my opponents played. And then if they were making those bigger mistakes, then I would play more exploitatively. Well, you've been very helpful. I think it would be great to have you on one of those learning sites so that people, as they go through your book, could ask you questions about different points that you're making. Are you available online? Like if somebody buys your book and reads it and has some follow-up questions, how would they contact you? So. There's a thread on 2 plus 2, who's the book's publisher, and if you post in that thread asking me a question, so just go to 2 plus 2, click on a link that says, like, books, um, books, articles, and reviews. It's some link like that. And 
there'll be a thread that just says, you know, applications of no limit hold'em, and then you can click on that link and you can ask me a question and I will almost certainly answer. Another thing you can do is I post on car runners, so you can ask. I, I make videos for car runners, so you can ask me questions there. And if you want to sign up, there's a free trial. You can then watch some of the videos I've made, which address a lot of the concepts that are talked about in the books. All right, I have a few other questions. We have a couple of minutes left. Um, sure. My big picture question is, why with a guy with your obvious intellectual chops, why do you play on a risky, at least marginally risky online site as opposed to going into any of the numerous poker rooms in the L.A. and Las Vegas area and clean up against players uh, at the amateur level? Well, I live in Northern California right now, and I go to a podiatric medical school where that takes up most of the time in my life. So, oh, you're a you're a student to be a doctor? Yeah, yeah. So basically, poker has always been a very part time thing for me. I think it's a fantastic hobby. I love it. I've been very lucky. I've gotten to meet a ton of great people, but I know it's not something I want to do full time. So, yeah, I, I like playing online more than I like playing live, and I don't know how good the live rooms are here. I've looked into it a little bit, but I don't think the stakes run all that high. Not that I play super high online or anything, but I don't think they run all that high, and I can play a lot more hands per hour online. So that's why I've done that. So I will admit I do agree. I think it is risky to have money on the sites that I'm playing. So I would not put money on those sites unless you feel comfortable potentially losing it to to not other players, but uh, something else happens. And then one last question and then an observation. My last question is, what books, if any, have you read that helped you develop your game? I haven't read all too many poker books. I've mostly gotten to talk to other players and just read forums. Um, I did read Mathematics of Poker, which I liked a really lot, although it's Bill Chen? a pretty dense read. Yeah, it's a pretty dense read uh, by Bill Chen and Jared. I'm not sure exactly Ackerman. the last name. Yeah, Thank you. Gerald Ackerman. Yep. Both good guys. Um, yeah, I like that book, and I, I thought it was very interesting. Um, yeah, I think that would probably be my, my favorite poker book. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I was I, I was hoping you might have uh, some very simple, basic book in your library that you would recommend, but I think that speaks volumes. And then my observation is, listeners, I've been talking to Matt Janda about his book, Applications of No Limit Hold'em, A Guide to Understanding Theoretically, Theoretical Sound Poker. By the way, that... That phrase isn't right. It's theoretically sound poker, isn't oh, it? Oh, that was discussed so much before the book was released. I did not pick the title for that, and I pretty much stand by and kind of trust 2 plus 2's judgment with their okay. marketing and, and how they want to do things. They know much more than All I All right. Well, that was just an aside. My observation is you have, by far, the coolest cover I have ever seen. On a, yeah, It is a Mobius strip cool. of poker cards that I guess – kind of symbolically communicates what your book is about, which I find uh, really cool. So I don't know who designed that. Do you have a, a friend that did that, or did uh, did 2 Plus 2 come up with that? I've contest at 2 Plus 2, and I, I've never known his real name, and honestly, I don't remember his screen name. And, yeah, we thought it was really cool. I liked it a lot. And, again, 2 Plus 2 pretty much said what you said. They thought it was a good cover that kind of, gave the readers an idea of, like, how much depth it was and, and what exactly we'd be doing. So they thought it was a good fit for the book, and I agree. I think it's really cool. Great. Well, Matt, I've really enjoyed speaking to you. Good luck becoming a doctor. What are you studying to do? What kind of medicine? So it's a podiatric medical school. So everyone that graduates oh, a foot doctor. a podiatric surgeon. Yeah, exactly, a foot doctor. Fantastic. I hope you have a lot of skill in getting rid of ingrown toenails, which is how yeah, I happen to. <laughs> they do a lot of everything. <laughs> Terrific. Well, Matt, I, I really am glad you came on as a guest. And uh, if you write a follow-up book, you're welcome to come on. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Ashley. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. We're going to be back after a quick break. Again, that was Matt Janda, author of Applications of No Limit Hold'em, A Guide to Understanding Theoretical Sound Poker. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We'll be
be back with more House of Cards right after this, but I want to talk to all you fantasy football fans out there. FanDuel.com's one-week fantasy football leagues are hotter than ever. You play for real money, and winners get immediate cash payouts. It's all the fun of a season-long league packed into each and every week. Look, you heard me talking about FanDuel for weeks now, but if you still haven't signed up, you're missing out on over $10 million they're paying out every single week this NFL season. My season-long league is in shambles. Can you pick out who's going to get injured? And you sure can't pick out who's going to get suspended. There's no problem with Fandle like that. Check it out. Matt Nichols from Ohio turned a $25 deposit into over twenty-five grand playing fantasy football on Fandle. Fandle is a leader in one-week fantasy football leagues, no season-long commitments, and no upfront fees. They got immediate cash payouts, and you play each week or whenever you want to. It's all up to you. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use my code HOC and sign up now. The new user special is ending soon, and FanDuel will match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to 200 bucks. That's up to $200 free, but the offer is only good for the first 50 people that use my code HOC. FanDuel.com, where every week is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today with promo code HOC. Something exciting is happening in New Jersey. People are cheering in Cherry Hill and cashing in chips, pumping fists in Fort Lee, and flopping full houses. Get the thrill and play on your laptop, tablet, or mobile at BorgataPoker.com. Texas Hold'em, daily tournaments, and sit-and-goes. Real money anywhere in New Jersey. The Borgata Hotel and Casino is a name you trust, so you can be sure that BorgataPoker.com is secure. And now with the $25 deposit, you can get a $20 bonus when you sign up for Borgata Poker at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Remember, you must be 21 and physically present in New Jersey to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Make your game night the envy of all your friends and family. Play on a one-of-a-kind table. Play on a pro-caliber poker table. Pro-caliber tables are made with the highest quality gaming suede on the market. And with their Table Builder app, customers can create a table to accommodate any game. Select one of the in-stock designs from their site or imprint your own. And now, you can get a free 600-count coin inlay chipset when you purchase a Pro-Caliber poker table. Here's how. Use offer code H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O, that's H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O, when you check out at Procalibur.com or when ordering by phone at 24025-POKER. 24025-POKER. That's 24025-6537. Procalibur Poker Tables. Stop playing around and get that table you've been looking for. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code BABE16 at checkout, and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code BABE16. That's B-A-B-E-16 at adamandeve.com. 
Here's the wonderful Joan Rivers with her thoughts on poker players. And your people, you give money with blood on it. I met your people in Vegas for 40 years. None of them have last names. None of them. They have cash pulls. Of... You're a poker player. A poker player. That's, That's awesome. beyond white trash. Poker players oh, are poker the most players. awesome people poker in the world. Poker players are trash, darling. Trash. House of Cards, proudly serving your white trash needs since 2007. Welcome back, listeners. I wonder if we have to now do that with some reverence because she's dead. Well, that was our tribute to her. So oh, okay. <laughs> that, was, well, it's, it's, that's that was the only thing we had of Joan Rivers. So a little uh, one-minute tribute. That's yeah, there we go. That's that. All right. Well, um, I'm uh, Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. This is our mailbag segment. I'm joined by my very handsome producer, Dave Weishattle. Uh, what do we have this week? Well, we got some questions based on more bad news for Atlantic City. You know, the uh, Trump Taj Mahal filed for bankruptcy last week, and they did it in a kind of a different way. They filed with the assurance that they will be allowed to keep their online presence for the online gaming in New Jersey, which prompted everyone to think, are these brick-and-mortar casinos putting more stock into the online gaming industry and not worrying about their brick-and-mortar And it's also leading a lot of people to think, is online gaming costing jobs in New Jersey? What do you think? I think that's absurd. I think that, if anything, online gaming may be the narrow lifeline that might be necessary to preserve gaming in Atlantic City in some places. Uh, When you file for bankruptcy, there are two types. There's liquidation and then there's reorganization. And if you're reorganizing, you want to make sure that at least some of your valuable assets are retained. Clearly, uh, the Taj Mahal management believes that online gaming is a valuable instrument for making money or they wouldn't care about preserving it. So, uh, to me, the two things are, are directly related in a positive way, not mm-hmm. a negative way. i got to tell you, I remember I was down there uh, a few months ago and... It was sad. It, it was, was empty it? and a pit. And I got to say, you know, part of the, the uh, poker room was shut down and mm-hmm. dark. And all <laughs> I saw in there were mouse traps. Wow. I mean, yeah. just kind of just sad. And I know the poker room manager is great. Mm-hmm. I know the facility has great potential. But it's like it's a balloon that's almost entirely yeah. deflated. You know what? I mean, that looks... It's sad. You, you want to see sad? I was there after Labor Day. When, oh. you, know, you, you, you would see tumbleweeds. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but, you know, it's it looks really bad. I mean, you know, it, being from New Jersey, you always like, you know, when the tourists leave and it's nice. But now it seems a little more empty. I mean, there's there's two huge buildings at the very end of the boardwalk. I mean, they're actually sitting side by side to revel in the showboat. And I guess Trump Taj Mahal is a little further down. And also Trump Plaza is closing now, too. So what else you got? Well, we got the MGM coming back to Atlantic City. We got, do you think that will revitalize? They're trying everything. I don't know anything about that. Tell me about that. They just uh, filed for their license, and they were granted. For uh, where? What property? No one knows yet. They they got. They want to build or they want to buy? Well, they still own 50% of the Borgata. But now they have a license to enter the marketplace, I guess, in another entity. So maybe they'll move into the Revel or the showboat? Revel now almost, I think they have a buyer in place with his first bid. Condos? Casino? They uh, don't know yet. A really, really big and fancy hamburger stand? Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's what they need, an In-N-Out burger down there. In-N-Out, the largest In-N-Out burger burger in the The world. The most beautiful In-N-Out burger ever. But, uh, no, a a guy from Florida, he's a real estate investor. He he just put 90 million. He bid 90 million on the property. What property? Revel. Oh, on Revel. Revel, yeah. 90 million? It's nothing. Nothing. I know. It's a. Hey, you know. It's, it's a, a, wasn't it a one and a half billion dollar was, property? Yeah. Yeah. It's like almost two billion, and it still wasn't complete. So it's uh, crazy. Hey, it, he bid ninety million on the property, not on leasing it, not on the rights to 
operate within it, but to own it? To own it. No. Own it. Yeah, I know. Doug, <laughs> how much you got? Hey, let's look, put let's pool our look money. What, look what the shirt he has on. Let's <laughs> revel. Let's pool our money. What's funny is, you know, the two days before it closed, I was in New York and I was hearing commercials. Oh yeah, for right, it right for to the, the band. You know, the Yankee, the official sponsor of the New York Yankees, come down to the revel, enjoy our wonderful, luxurious rooms for only a hundred and ninety. I don't think so. So it's closed yeah. now, right? Uh, the Revel is closed now. Well, you see that shirt the executive producer, my brother, is wearing? Yes, it says we got, Revel. It's Revel Casino. It's it's really sad when you're getting the casino T-shirts at a discount because it's a clearance sale. Uh, where did you get it, Doug? At the Revel, in in the Revel. Oh, you got it in the Revel. Got it in the Revel. Which you can't do anymore. So what happened to all their stuff? I mean, did uh, in the old days, Building 19 would have bought them up for 50 yeah, cents. Yeah. Yeah, probably, uh, you know, the uh, Salvation Army. Well, Doug, are you on? Yeah, why don't you <laughs> Doug chime to, in here? Doug's Tell us where we can buy nice, cheap uh, Revel clothing. Well, actually, if you find some of the street people. You know, I can't hear you. Can't hear him. <laughs> Too bad. All right, never mind, oh, Doug. Well. You know, he doesn't have much to say anyway. So what else we got? Well, any trips planned? You know, you know I was going to go to Panama. Oh, wait, oh. here we go. Oh, wait there he goes. Do you got me? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Okay, good. They keep switching the knobs around here. so I know. Uh, blame somebody. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I have to. It's like, but that's what the Revel. You know, you made a joke about the $90 million for Revel. Uh, Golden Nugget was bought for $38 million. Okay. <laughs> you mean, Way back when it, when it first reopened, it was bought for $38 million. Well, I guess there are a lot of – I wonder how much I could buy the Hilton for. Hey. It's been closed forever. Yeah. That's a... Well, it's also what's interesting, the guy who put a bid on Revel – is also looking at buying Showboat. Yeah, from he's from Florida, right? Yeah. He's a real Florida. estate guy he's, from he's, Florida. What he plans on doing is making the casino secondary, and actually he's talked about uh, renting it out to another company that can actually run a casino. Like Isle of Capri. There you go. Anything. Actually, uh, what, what he's looking at doing is maybe Caesars. Caesars? Yeah, running a smaller casino. That's one of his ideas. But You mean like renting it? To yep. the Caesars company to have sources. But they just closed. <laughs> yeah, well, their properties are going to do well now. That's the thing. I'll, actually, Atlantic City just showed a profit. Okay. The, well, it's it, the bizarro this, universe. This, this is illustrating the problems that Atlantic City is having. This crazy mismanagement of all the properties. They want to, you know, do these weird mergers with people who can do online and who don't want to make it a primary casino but a secondary casino Close, and this, uh, clothing manufacturing yeah that's the next thing to come right it'll be full yes. circle they'll have uh sweatshops put in there <laughs> well you also have the uh, clubs and restaurants in the closed properties uh the rainforest cafe is talking to the bankruptcy court uh for i think it, it's uh Whichever one they're in, the showboat or whichever one the Rainforest Cafe is in. They might be in the Taj. They're talking to the bankruptcy court to stay open. Huh. So you could go and eat, eat. but you couldn't gamble. <laughs> they eat in an empty, also, huge building. Uh, the Club HQ over in Revel. They're actually suing to stay open. Well, I just hope that voters in Massachusetts do not see the uh, problems in Atlantic City as having anything to do with the efficacy of allowing casino yeah. gambling in Massachusetts. You, you know a lot of people in Atlantic City. Is this affecting? Do you think this will affect I don't know a lot of people in well, Atlantic City. Well, you, you, you know, know a lot you know of people, people in Atlantic people City. Than I. I'm, you know. In Atlantic City? No, no, in more people in Massachusetts. Oh, you said I know I'm a lot sorry, of people. I, I meant Massachusetts. You made a mistake. I did. I did. <laughs> yes, I know a lot of people in Massachusetts. So and a lot of them are, mention it. Are they it. looking at Atlantic City? A lot City? of them mention it because it's an easy throwaway line. Yeah. To uh, attack casinos. Oh, look what's happening in Atlantic City. That's what's going to happen here. I say, no, it's completely different. I mean, you have a major, an urban center, and casinos would be convenient here. In Atlantic City, you don't have a resident population sufficient yeah. to support them. It's for in day Massachusetts, trippers. you do. You won't yeah. have people leaving for Massachusetts to go to Atlantic City. They'll stay here. Mm -hmm. yep. And then they go to Hubda, Hubda, Hubda. Um, they just don't like casinos. And I'm thinking... You shouldn't make them illegal. They should be allowed to thrive. Mm -hmm. And people are putting up money. It's not like the state is subsidizing. People are putting up hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, these are private. Up front yeah. to build a casino here. Oh, but the infrastructure. No, it's being funded by the developers. The private sector developers are putting up the money that's going to take them. People just don't want them. Some by, of them. By the way, next time we talk, we'll probably know who's in the Boston area. Yes, that's right. So. It's supposed to happen this week at the latest next week. And, uh, frankly, I hope they – I heard Wynn has an inside track kind of thing because he, he has, has more, track, he has more they, benefits for the area. I would uh, support so. Wynn. I would like to get them on the air uh, to talk about their developments or at least to get the winning one 
on yeah, the Yeah, definitely air. for the winning. Doug, yeah. what do you think? I'll do my best to get them. <laughs> yeah. So, so enthusiastic. <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, listeners, that will do it for Mailbag. We will be back next week. In the meantime, have good luck and uh, have a wonderful day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.